0: who is our recruiter at PDT. Our topic today is applying for your first job in therapy or really anywhere. So, Allison, I know what you do here, but why don't you tell everybody else?
1: Okay. My official title is project manager, but as part of that, I do handle all of the recruiting for PDT, So I do the initial interview. I'm kind of the the gateway, if you will. Greener? Yeah, so I kind of do a phone interview initially. Um, I look at resumes, I decide who I want to interview, and then I perform a, a phone interview. And from that, and the questions that we've come up as a team with, we go from there and decide, you know, as a team, who we want to push forward to a second interview. So... I kind of follow that interview process all the way through until the team lead and you, of course, decide to make an offer.
0: Well, and we've actually redone our interview process this year. We've revamped it, reorganized it. Made it very selective.
1: Yeah. We wanted to make sure that we got really great fits for our company. It was important for us before we mm-hmm. brought someone mm-hmm. in to make sure that they were the right person. So because of that, we decided we'd go through a three-part process, Um the first being that initial phone interview, which I've already talked about. Mm-hmm. And then from that, we normally get together and and the team leads and I and say, these are the candidates that I think would be a good fit for this particular position. And from there, we set up a second interview with a team lead that may or may not be the person that they'll eventually be with, but it's it's one of the team leads. And then, again, there's a second discussion after that, um, and that person is either declined or they're moved <laughs> forward to the final interview. And that final interview process basically is where, they come on site. um they meet with you as the final interview process, and then they take the afternoon to shadow in one of the clinics so that they can um, be with some of the peers. we can we get feedback from the peers on what they think of the candidate. and then as after that, we gather all that information together and decide whether or not to make an offer. So it's been very successful so far, mm-hmm. um, and it just makes a positive um, outcome
0: one of Allison's many but one of her most special gifts in my opinion is you really don't meet a stranger that's honest to goodness don't meet a stranger anywhere ever mm-hmm. and so um but you know but you're you're a great screener because you and I have the same general gut reaction on people yep. and kind of what works and sometimes even in that initial gut reaction you know you could tell if this is going to be somebody we want to pass through or do not pass through but i think sometimes i'd like to tell some of the people on the initial contact like look let's just let's start this over you know, yes. so, you know, they might be really great candidates, but they just didn't present themselves well or...
1: It's funny that you should bring that up because I actually did an interview um, two days ago. She's been a year out uh-huh. and so she's working at a job, but she actually went back to the college that she graduated from to help them do a better job of preparing their graduate students. And so we we actually had a conversation about what worked and what didn't work in an interview process and... I said to her, I have I would write a book to tell the do's and don'ts of right. what to say during an interview. And she she laughed and she said, well, I hope I haven't added to your book. And I said, no, you haven't. So it was kind of funny. but That's
0: impressive. She went back to her graduate school and told them what they needed to do better? With?
1: Yeah, because wow. when she got out of school, she felt, felt like there were some weak points that um, they didn't do a good job about. And she was very proud of her program and wanted it to be better. And yeah. now she teaches. They've asked her to come back and teach a class very similar to this. Huh. Well, there you
0: go. Sometimes, you know, when you're first uh, interviewing people, I have questions in my head, not out loud, but in my head thinking, do do you really want a job? Mm -hmm. And and so I guess the first thing is you have to decide if you're right out of school, do do you want a job? Right. I didn't really have that choice when I got out of graduate school because um, I had to get a job because I wanted to eat.
1: Yeah. Or in my case... (laughs) Because our parents said, we've paid for your college, now you're on your
0: own. Good luck. Kind of like, Get Good luck, money. sister. <laughs> Here goes. My mom gave me um, two lamps from, I think, World War II that were made out of bullets. No kidding. Like, here's your bullet lamps. Good luck, and we'll see you at Christmas. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um, and then I went out and got a job. So yeah. I, I wanted a job because I wanted to eat. Yeah. And, uh, but um, first, you do have to decide you want a job. Mm-hmm. But then you also kind of got to know that if you're talking about the therapy business, do you want to work with adults or children? You've right. got to sort of decide unfortunately the therapy industry has gotten too specific or not unfortunately i think fortunately cuz it makes for better therapists but it's gotten pretty specific you got to pick
1: yeah and i actually find that in interviewing a lot of the new graduates that they go into their clinicals thinking one thing specifically mm-hmm. i'm going to do adults but then there's some placement that they have that turns them around into a different direction so that i've heard that over and over again too
0: Oh yeah, I did that. I, at first, was w- thought, oh, I only want to do adults. I don't want to, to do any children. And then, I got into an adult placement, and I thought, oh, oh, ooh, these are adults. And then I got to, <laughs> and then I got the kids. And I'm thinking, oh, well,
1: there, yes, there you have it.
0: hmm yeah. This is the way to go.
1: And then also is the fact that a lot of them think that they want to be in a hospital environment versus private practice or vice mm-hmm. versa. And um, so that that really, for me, is um great part of that because they do get some kind of hands-on experience to, to help them decide which track to take
0: to decide that they need to know themselves a little bit what gives you energy I, but I think you know that for any job like are you best Working by yourself, mm-hmm. are you best working with a lot of different people? Mm-hmm. Are you best sort of doing one thing, then moving to the next, then moving to the next, yeah. versus have about four or five different projects going at one yeah. time? There's nothing wrong with any of that. It's just you got to know what gives you energy versus zapping your energy.
1: Yeah, and also, you know, a lot of the questions that we came up with as a team lead that we pull from, we actually ask questions to try to bring out that what it is that they really, um, want. I mean, mm-hmm. if they are, if they're somebody that wants to stay in a clinic all day long and they don't like moving around, then it's probably not going to be a good fit for us because we have to go where the clients are. And so we have to move people around. And so if you're not able to, to roll with that, then that's not probably going to be a good fit for us or them.
0: Mm-mm. It's better to know it mm-hmm. early on versus mm-hmm. later.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we have um, really done a great job of, I feel like, is that um, we've expanded our clinical rotations and brought mm-hmm. students in here. I think we give them a great experience because PDT covers so many different service areas that it allows them to see developmental daycare centers and private practice and schools and also the home visits. Mm-hmm. So it gives them an opportunity to kind of see it all. Um, so I think bringing those students in is kind of a twofold benefit. It benefits them, obviously. It benefits us because it's an empowering for our therapists to be able to, to give back to those students. Mm-hmm. But then selfishly, sometimes we have some of those students that actually come back and want to work for us. Um, and we've had several that, that are now working from us that came to us from clinicals. But, but that's something that we do from schools all over the country, really. Well, I think any
0: student coming out of graduate school, they all have to have clinical hours. They all, all therapists have to have that. But I think even in other professions, you have to have. Sometimes you have to have internships. We call them clinical placements or whatever in in the therapy world. But Mm -hmm. other places have internships and that kind of stuff too. It's kind of like trying on a pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to try it out for a little bit and see if it's going to work. You see the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'd love to think that places didn't have bad and the ugly, but it's there.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> and so it sure is. But, you know, it lets you sort of see what the deal is if you keep your eyes open and you pay attention wherever you are—any internship or clinical placement or wherever, hospital, private practice—you need to have a variety, and then you need to say, assess: mm-hmm. was this a successful place for me? Why?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Was this not? Why? You know, yeah. I think even more than just the population you're working with, the place you're working—why wasn't it successful? And you know that. Yeah. Either if it's your gut telling you, or you can have data to sort of tell you. Either way, you know it
1: mm-hmm. if you're
0: asking yourself real honest questions. you got to ask yourself honest questions.
1: And, you know, Hayden, yep. one of the things in my interview process that I always ask is, uh, what are your top three things that you're looking for mm-hmm. in the companies or practices that you're interviewing with? And that really, to me, is a telling story right there. Because, And honestly, it's changed for the newer grads are much different than the than the candidates that have been out for some time. That tells the story about what's important to them going forward for the company if it's going to be a good match.
0: Sometimes the new grads I'll say, well, you know, you've already invested. You've heard me say this. You've invested a certain amount of time, energy, effort, money. You know, I'll say mm-hmm. blood, sweat, tears, into your career choice because they haven't chosen a job, they've chosen a career. And I always feel like the first job, if you're right out of school, should help you continue to further your education because mm-hmm. you don't know a ton when you get out. right. But sometimes when I tell people that, they look surprised, like, huh, I hadn't thought of it like that. And I'll tell them, you should be assessing, and for us, if you're interviewing with us, is this going to continue to feed me or help me grow as a therapist in the areas I want to? And that's new information for people, I think, sometimes. To me, it's just a sort of natural way to think about it, but I think that's new. I just don't think new grads, or maybe even somebody who's been working for a while, thinks that way. Where is this going to help me? Because it is a career. It's not just Mm -hmm. a job.
1: It is. If, I hear that consistently over and over again, that they are looking for a place for mentorship and for continuing education. Mm-hmm. And that's two things that PDT does provide. Um, but that is something that they, they're they looking for, that mentorship, that com- sense of community mm-hmm. and um, and continuing education is very important because they know that they have a lot to learn and they're trying to get in an environment where they can do that.
0: Yeah, you're right. That sense of community I think is even more important than then even I realize sometimes and and that's important to ask in a first job if you're gonna be yeah, what is your community that you're gonna be in? That that you need to know about yourself if you need a good sense of if you need a good like group to be a part of or if you operate better independent or yeah. whatever it is.
1: Yeah.
0: Um also I I know um you need to consider too like where you're living. Some sometimes it matters some people are picking the job for the job, and they're going wherever the job is because they want the experience, they want to continue to learn. Other people, it's sort of, if it matters where where you live. Because right. once you do get that first job, you're establishing some roots, and so you're going to be a part of that community a certain amount, so you need to decide if that's what you want to do. I know when um, David was, my husband David, when he was graduating from law school, and one of his, um, they had about four or five different ceremonies to graduate. I've never seen so much pomp and circumstance in my life. It took like four <laughs> days to get out of that joint. Anyway, one of the professors that spoke at one of the, ceremonies that we went to said um, be careful where your first job is because if you don't want to live there you probably will end up living there or something yeah. like that and we yeah. thought at the time I thought ah, whatever
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> and, um, here you are. and here <laughs> I am
0: <laughs> not that I'm unhappy about where I am it's just I remember thinking whatever <laughs> really but he was right
1: yeah and I mean I, I do try to find out why they applied for the position here why they want to come to North Carolina because a lot of the applicants that we get are from all over the country and so it's mm-hmm. important to know you know why North Carolina what is it that appeals to you mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and sometimes they don't even know they're just picking picking a job Random. Yeah, but picking I live on job. the east coast yeah yeah so um, <laughs> it's important to ask those questions and find out what the answer is for that
0: and we've had some answers Mm-hmm. Some interesting answers for that question. Okay, do you questions. remember?
1: Uh, I have one candidate um, that she was trying to choose between us and Alaska.
0: That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking of. That's exactly exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah. And and <laughs>
1: honestly, we really loved this candidate. Mm-hmm. We wanted her to come here, awesome. and but she, I can remember her saying, "There's something about walking out at the 20 below zero air. It's just refreshing." And I went, "Yeah, that's going to be yeah. a no for me." Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I
0: don't, yeah, and I don't, yeah. But she was she was a great candidate. She, she was awesome. Was? But it was interesting North Carolina or Alaska yeah um
1: and she chose she chose Alaska mm-hmm, and she mm-hmm. seems to be very happy however mm-hmm. she did send us somebody <laughs> from that practice <laughs> okay, so that is currently working for, for us so um anyway so I guess that was the plan yeah. all along for yeah. us to be able to to get Brittany
0: and some people come in with rock climbing but they want to
1: match up their interests mm-hmm.
0: exactly which um we got a little rock climbing mhm you also need to think about, you know, how long has this position been available? That might be a good question to ask. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask that on my first job. I should have.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It had been open for about two years. It would have been a good question in hindsight, but that would have been good. Why has it been open for two years? would have been a good question at the time mm-hmm. to ask. But um, but I learned a lot from that experience, and I'm thankful for it. But still, you might want to ask, how long has this position been open, and maybe why? Right. I think also people need to research where they're applying yeah, yeah. You know, I think sometimes they just look us up, but they don't really know anything about us.
1: Yeah, that's actually one of the first questions I ask before I get going into an interview is, what do you know about pe- pediatric developmental therapy, mm-hmm. and how did you find us? And so that's interesting. Sometimes they know nothing, which is, is not a good good way to start off. That just doesn't show that they've committed to this interview or um, wanting to be part of PDT. They really are just out there fishing for anybody and just not willing to – put the effort in to do that research to find out about us. You can tell. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think people realize it, but it's, it's pretty easy to pick that out. Yeah. Actually, you know what, I'm still usually surprised when somebody does a lot of their research and knows a lot. And I'm like, oh, Wow. Yeah, really did look at all the website stuff. Yeah. yeah,
1: and I also love it when they not only know the the details, the mechanics. You know, almost everybody mm-hmm. can say, you have three clinics, and they're here and there, and you mm-hmm. have a lot of therapists, and they're mm-hmm. all female. And so they mm-hmm. can tell you the visual things that they can pick up really quick. But mm-hmm. I'm always impressed when they've really, truly read that website and know what our philosophy is, and they're excited about it.
0: Yep, and they and they talk about how their interests match our interests. Right. So they've actually thought about us versus someplace else or wherever else they're applying.
1: I do usually ask them if they're interviewing at other places and and tell them that I encourage them to do that because ultimately you don't want them to all of a sudden get another job after a week of being here or um, see something that they should have, could have, would have taken. And, and it's a great idea for them to actually look at all the different options and then make the best decision for what their desires are and where they're going to be happy and if they match Um, with the PDT philosophy.
0: Yep, I agree. Then they can express that, Mm -hmm. you know. But um, they also need to, in a first job, keep their resume updated.
1: Without it being too wordy. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I start off actually going through their resume first before I move into questions that get to know them a little bit better. I kind of want to hear. And um, so for me, I just like to look and get the bullet points. You know, don't give me a long dissertation about every clinical or every position you've ever worked in but give me the highlights of it Mm -hmm, so that I can ask you questions and it's always interesting to find as you go through that where their voice raises Mm. Um, I listen to how they when they when I ask them questions and you can always tell which was their favorite place that they worked when I hear that I always say now I, I hear that you really like that place so tell me about it what about that place that you love so much
0: yeah, you're good at that. You're good at picking that out of because you'll usually say that at the end of the interview. This is what they really were excited and you can usually pick it out when they're not that excited, oh, you yeah. know, yeah. Oh, yeah. And even in an interview face-to-face, you can tell. Like, yeah. they'll keep referring back to it and stuff and yeah. I learned this, yeah. And,
1: and also just to, if you're going through that resume to be able to to talk about what you liked and what you didn't like about each place because, again, for an employer, that helps us see this is was their least favorite thing about this particular location, which may be a pri- private practice. And if that's their least favorite, we got that all the time, so that's not going to be a good fit for us. <laughs> no, um, nothing so to work those, out. Yeah, so those are, you know, you just have to really ask those really deep questions so that they can, so can pull out that information to help you make the best decision. Yeah, and thanks. so the resume being up-to-date with the most pertinent information, but also not too lengthy.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, we have an application process. I think most companies have an application process. And I think you, when you're interviewing, you need to pay attention to that because the companies have set, ways set up Do they take applications in the way they get them. And if you don't follow that, it is a little bit of a red flag, like I like to say, a red flag, because then you're thinking, well, if, when you work here, are you, you going to follow the the way we sort of do things.
1: Yeah. I always think about it like uh, my mom and dad used to say, well, if you're dating somebody and they're not nice when you're dating, they're going to be terrible when you're married. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah, always Lord. kind of like the same thing. If they can't follow directions and they yeah. can't follow the procedures that we've set in place, then they're certainly not going to do it once they have the job.
0: Mm-hmm. And then let's talk about a couple of very you know, obvious things, but maybe not so obvious. You know, The, the voicemail yes. on the phone. Yes. If you're calling and, and the message is, leave it. You know, if you're applying for a professional no. position, then leave it is not really the message. Or if you're, you, your voicemail message or music needs to... Um
1: be appropriate.
0: Mm-hmm. Appropriate mm-hmm. for the position you're aspiring to, I think.
1: Yes. There's numerous times where I've actually called um, applicants and their voicemail was either, A, not set up properly, mm-hmm. or they've left a kind of a a cool, perhaps, college message, but not so cool when you're trying to apply for a position. Um <laughs> professional position and you know of course your ring back tones you know it can be very um offensive in some way some of the music be. that they choose so that's always you know either don't have it or have it <laughs> something very benign so yeah. it's not going to offend anybody there that is important going forward i mean the social media is an important factor in today's yeah. uh, recruitment field because there's so much stuff out there that you can see um on your facebook or instagram or what have you and if you don't want your potential, um, employer to see it, then you better not put it out there because they can potentially see it.
0: And if you're, you know, if your email picture is, um, you know, a selfie that you took at a cake party when you were a freshman in college, probably need to update yeah. that picture <laughs> because that yeah. might not be what you want to send out, um, yes. to people. The um, first impression. First impression is not the best in that Hard way. I overcome. So, yeah, no, you really do need to give that some thought and, um, that, and put some work into that one. And you're right, the Facebook thing Everybody checks that nowadays, I mean, mm-hmm.
1: heavens,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. we in the therapy world don't really have many people when when they submit their resumes in any sort of different or creative me- you know way, but I guess if you were trying to submit your resume in a very creative way, you do need to know your audience, right, so you don't want to be over the top or bothersome too pushy you know you do want to know your audience and who you're where you're applying to and who you're applying with and 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 that kind of thing um what else have we um kind of missed with the whole application process i guess being excited you know you do want a level of excitement because we're we're excited to meet new people and we like to meet new people and we put time it's a lot of time to do these interviews so you want to hope that the other person is excited about the opportunity even if the position is not offered it something you know you usually can learn something from every interview
1: well and again, I think it's what you're saying, you have to know your audience too because if you're applying for a pediatrics job, you're going to have to have a certain level of of energy. Mm-hmm. And if you're yeah. if you're applying for other jobs, maybe not so much, but this job, yeah, you're going to have to have some energy. So that needs to come, you know, come out in in how you speak to me and and the team leads that you're excited and you want to be in here to do this great job for these children.
0: You know, it is an opportunity. If you're right out of graduate school, whatever first job you get, a, it is an opportunity. You know, mm-hmm. every new grad that we hire um, does bring a lot to the table, and we're tickled to have them and stuff. But, you know, we have to give a lot to new grads, and we're happy to do that. But they, you know, it's good when they're excited back, and it helps you to give more, right? You know, kind of thing. yeah. Exactly. And and recognize it as an opportunity. And
1: just, you know, talking about some of the benefits <laughs> and stuff that we have here at PDT. Yeah. Um, some of the companies are not even offering medical benefits and that type of thing. We have a, a great package here. Um, so it is very attractive for candidates. Um, And, again, one of the things, you know, as I spoke about the mentorship that they're really looking for, they almost always talk about continuing education. Yep. Um, And that's something that you and PDT are very committed to. We do Mm -hmm. offer those opportunities um, through PDT and are, in fact, you know, bringing our own uh, educational opportunities here. in fact, we've you know we've just scheduled two educational opportunities continuing ad mm-hmm. for prompt and bridging that will take place um at our facilities this year so far, and we've got several others that are. I'm um, scheduled as well. So that's very important too and that's always impressive for a candidate too. But again, for them to know what they're looking for.
0: And then I guess you also in the therapy world need to decide you want a salaried position or an hourly position because mm-hmm. I think sometimes you know if you if you want a per diem or an hourly position, then it's a very different job than a salaried full-time benefits
1: position
0: right the the hourly is you sort of eat what you kill you can make a lot of money if you if you do that but you got to work your buns off and if the kids aren't don't show up or the client doesn't show up or whatever you don't get paid and i think that's the fine print sometimes you don't read right. and maybe you're not looking for you don't think to ask the question about but you do need to think about that there's nothing wrong with that you know eating what you kill but it's you got to be real careful and know so if you've got some fixed expenses every month car payment rent right. payment Health insurance, you know, that kind of stuff. Then you need to have a certain know there's a certain amount of money coming in because there's a certain amount of money going out, and those two at least have to match.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and you also have to think about the environment you're going to be in. Because in a hospital or a rehab center, your patients are there; they're not going anywhere. Right. But oh, if you're so in fun. private practice, mm-hmm. then you you have to rely on them bringing those clients to you. And with children, there's always going to be somebody sick or okay. a parent that just decides that today's not a good day and we're not coming in um mm-hmm. so you're going to have cancellation so if you are working PRN then you're you're kind of at their mercy um, 100% yeah so if the kid doesn't show up Then you don't get paid for that hour.
0: It can be a scary, dangerous lesson to have to learn, you know, kind of thing. And so you need to be careful and think about that in advance. And also, maybe it doesn't lend itself to the most educational opportunity because you're so busy just trying to see as many kids and build as much time. You need some time to learn, to watch, to observe, to spend a little bit more time in therapy and, or spend a little more time maybe doing stuff outside of therapy.
1: And I also think it sometimes it does not allow you to be part of that team because you are trying to hustle and make that per diem rate, but um, you don't get an opportunity to collaborate and to to work with other therapists and create that team environment that a lot of people are are looking for. So if that is something that you're looking for, then that might not be the best route for you to go.
0: Yeah, and I think we've had some therapists sometimes that were worried about home visits at first, you know, and, and that kind of thing, and they thought, oh, well, I'll be out seeing kids at the home all the time. I'll never have interaction with anybody else. You need to ask a lot of questions about that, about the different environments that you'll be working in because that's really not always true about a home visit. Right. Sometimes you learn a lot from a home visit mm-hmm. that is may or may not have anything to do with therapy but teaches you how to work better, how to be a better professional, and in the long run a better therapist. But I think some therapists have thought, oh, well, if I work out in the home, I'm never going to collaborate, I'm never going to see anybody else, and I'm just going to be driving from house to house. Not necessarily. So you have need to ask a lot of questions around that, and and um, some home visits are a very positive thing. I think in the first uh, first job environment, you learn a lot.
1: Yeah, that all circles back to our whole discussion about know where you want to go, oh, yeah. know what's mm-hmm. important to you, and and make sure that if you're interviewing with that company, are they going to match your needs you know, long-term. So I think that circles back to what we were talking about. Know, know where you're going. I didn't
0: know about myself when I first got out of school, when I had my first job. I sort of lived my life by semester,
1: mm-hmm.
0: my life that I can remember. So pretty much every semester, you know, December, May, August, I got new people, new place, new, like, everything. I can specifically remember like my first job going back. You know, I had a couple of days off for Christmas. So I went back after Christmas, and I thought, Dad, this are the same people that were here before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I'm parking in the same parking lot. And I got the same <laughs> office. And I'm saying, where, where, I need the newness. And it, I, I can remember it, like, specifically where I was and what I was doing. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, dang, I guess that's what job is. Hmm. You know, and I did. And I do better if I go a variety of places, do a little home business, do a little clinic visit. little, you know, I do better mixing it up a little bit. But I didn't know that about myself at the time. And I, I did fine there,
1: but that's
0: not what gave me energy.
1: And I do say this a lot even to my 15-year-old daughter. You, you're going to go through life and you're going to have great teachers and bad teachers, good bosses mm-hmm. and bad bosses, but you're going to learn from everything. And it, you also become adaptable. That's what happens. Um, and in mm-hmm. therapy business, you're going to have parents that are great and attentive and want to do do for their children, and you're going to have other ones that are not so much that they're just there to check a box. So, again, you've got to be adaptable mm-hmm. and to learn to to. Learn what you can to try to motivate those parents and and to keep yourself involved in trying to make those those children better. Because as you always tell us, Hayden, that's our why. That's, that's our why to that's give to give hope to those parents and and to work with those children.
0: The, no, you're absolutely right. That's a good way to bring it home. Speaking of bringing it home, I think we've about done it with this one, don't you think?
1: I think so. I think mean, we have. I mean, we, there's more to discuss, of course. Yeah. But we I think that'll be in the next one. Yep. But um, we hope. That that helps the people that are listening.
0: All right, so I think that kind of brought it home for us there, and we sort of did a full circle. I think we've discussed this topic, applying for the first job, knowing what you want, kind of knowing yourself what you're looking for, sort of having that decided before you ever just start throwing out some resumes and before you ever start fishing. Next week, we're going to talk about the actual interview process. Mm-hmm. how to be successful on an interview.
1: Yeah, we might have some horror stories and some su- success stories I for think you. we will.
0: We'll have a lot of those. <laughs> so that's what we're going to talk about next week. So um, we'll see you all then. Okay. Bye. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.